We're going to kick over some sacred cows. So if you hear some moo and you hear some things like that happen, and it's all right, just relax. But a couple of sacred cows that we're going to kick over, number one, that God is sovereign and he's in control. Well, he's in control of a lot, but how many of you know he's not in control of those people going into those movie theaters and shooting people? How many of you know he's not in control of ISIS? And we could go on and on and on, but God has sovereignly, in his sovereignty, given man a free will. I mean, you could have chosen to stay in bed this morning. Or, you know, you could have chosen to go down to the bar and get drunk this morning. But instead, you made the right choice. Hallelujah. You know, we aren't to be sad when we go into the house of the Lord. It's like one person said, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. Amen. The other sacred cow we want to kick over is, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. Oh, really? You know, some things just happen because we're stupid. Some things just happen because of our foolishness. Other things happen because of the people around us are foolish and do stupid things. So we must remember, in John 10.10 it says that the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In James 1.17, he says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we've got it right. Good things come from God. Bad things don't come from God. Amen. So we understand then that the children of Israel had a promised land to possess. He had done some great and awesome things for them. He delivered them from Egyptian bondage. Just think about it. Two million Jews going through the Red Sea because the almighty God split the Red Sea on their behalf. Amen. And you know what? He can still split Red Seas today. He can still move mountains today. He can still cause Jericho's walls in our life to fall flat right before our face. Amen. Amen. And so, you know, they got out in the wilderness and things got a little difficult and a little tough. How many of you know that sometimes in life we face some difficult situations? We face some tough situations. That is not the time to limit God. That is not the time to forget what God has done. That is not the time to complain. You know, Joyce Meyer said a wonderful quote. She says, if you complain, you will remain. But if you praise, you will be raised. You know, there's a spiritual truth there. The more thankful we are for what we have and what has been accomplished already in our lives, the more we will position ourselves for more of God's blessing and more of God's grace and more of God's power in our life. Do you believe that? So let's pick this up in Psalms 78. How oft, verse 30, did they provoke me in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yes, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. So there was a forgetfulness about them. This is why we are encouraged in the scripture to forget not any of his benefits. Amen? 
We are not to be forgetful hearers of the word, but we are to be doers of the word and doers of the work that God has placed before us. Think about this. I've written this in my notes. If God is completely sovereign and in control, and if everything that happens is his plan and will, then it would be impossible for you and I to limit him. So the purpose of this series is to help you and to help me live beyond the limits and the boundaries that life or the enemy has presented us with. You and I are not slaves any longer. We are not slaves. But did you know that if we just go about our life casually and not really committed as Christians and kind of one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom, we can be in bondage every bit as the children of Israel were. We could be slaves to sin. We could be slaves to pornography. We could be slaves to stinking thinking. There's all sorts of things that are available from the world system. Think about this. Out of two million of the children of Israel above 20 years of age, only two got in. Can anyone tell me what their names were? You want to be a Joshua? You want to be a Caleb? Do you want to possess everything that God has already purchased for you? I hear the Spirit saying, let us go up at once and possess our possessions and possess the land that God has given us. There is land for you to possess. It could be the land of in your relationships. It could be in your mind. There's been all sorts of things that have been, um, how can I say it, attacked your mind, all sorts of fiery darts, if you will, have come to the city of your soul. How many of you know that your soul can be possessed by the word of God and you can take the weapons of your warfare and you can put the devil on the run and you can drive him out of your thinking. But that's land to possess. It could be you need to possess your divine health and walk in the way that God would have you to walk. You've just got to know that There is a reason that God put breath in you. I'm going to prophesy over your life this morning. And I'm going to say that the hand of the Lord is upon you. And that the blessing of the Lord is yours. Now look at Ephesians 2.10. It says this. Ephesians, the second chapter in the 10th verse says, For we are his workmanship. I'm doing a mentoring group with... Uh, some folks that uh, on Thursday nights, and we talked about some of these things, and I asked them, what does the word workmanship mean? Well, the word workmanship there is the Greek word poema, which means that you and I are God's poem. Another way we could say it is that we are the very handiwork of God. How many of you know that God don't make junk? Let's read this together. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, on the good works which God has before ordained, that we should walk in them. One translation says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God's hand, if you will, 
was upon you before the foundation of the world. God chose you and me for great things before we were born. I know sometimes that's difficult to believe because life happens and because circumstances besiege us. But know this, my dear friends, my brothers and sisters, that God has prepared you for great things. That doesn't mean that you're going to be a great missionary in India, but you could be a great mom. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be able to finance the kingdom of God with millions and billions of dollars, but you can be a great example to your children, Dad. You can be a great businessman. You can be a great Christian who serves a great God. Just listen to a couple of scriptures. He says in Jeremiah, he says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew everything about you. Before you even saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. In Isaiah 44, he says, I am your creator. You were in my care even before you were born. Let's lift one hand toward the Lord and say this together. You are are my creator. creator. I was in your care care. even before I was born. You know what that means? That means because he is your creator, you are not an accident. But it also means that he loves you so much that you have been in his care in your mother's womb. You know what that means to you and me? That means that we are deeply loved. Hallelujah. Now, God wanted to do so much for them. And he wants to do so much for us. Everyone say, no more limits, no more limits, no more limits. Hallelujah. Look at Psalms 81. Psalms 81. Notice with me in verse 10. Now we're going to look at this from the NIV, the New International Version. The NIV of Psalms 81.10 says, I'm the Lord your God, and I brought you up out of Egypt. And here's what he was instructing them to do. I want you to open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. There is a blessing in opening up your mouth wide with praise. There is a blessing in lifting up your voice and declaring the goodness of God in your life. There is a, this is a major key to your salvation. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with what? And with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation. If you want to see the manifestation that God has for you in your daily walk, begin to make daily declarations of what he has said about you in his word. Open up your mouth. There are times in our lives where we need to open up our mouth and make a declaration in spite of what we see with these natural eyes. In spite of what we feel with this physical body. In spite of what we don't see in our pocketbook. It seems like to me something ought to be said. Open up your mouth wide. Say it with me. Let the redeemed redeemed. 
of the Lord. Say so. So what this principle is, is this. Is declare, give voice to what God has given you. Notice with me in verse 11. But my people would not listen to me. Israel would not submit to me. It's a dangerous thing not to submit to him. He says, submit yourself therefore to God. Then you can resist the devil. Then the devil will flee from you. But what if we are not submitted to God? Can we rise up in our authority? Can we expect God to come through? No. Now notice with me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. You see, they had a will there. Now he said in verse 13, if my people would but listen to me. What comes when you hear the word? Faith comes. He said, if my people would have just listened to me, if Israel would follow my ways, now notice it, he said, how quickly would have I have subdued their enemies and would have turned my hand against their foes? See, if God was sovereign, he would have just done that anyway. But no, God was waiting for them to open up their mouths. And God is waiting for us to open up our mouths. God is looking for a people who will listen to him and hearken to the voice of his word. So that he can arise and all of our enemies be scattered. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. Verse 15. Those who hate the Lord would cringe before him, talking about his enemies. And their punishment would last forever. Verse 16. But you would be fed with the finest of wheat, with honey from the rock. I would have satisfied Friends, do not allow yourself to live a life of ifs and would-haves. Here's what I found out about life. It goes fast. And none of us want to end up in life with a boatload of regret. You're never too young to start. You're never too old to fulfill everything that God has put in your heart. I love this verse of scripture in Psalms 92. Let me just read it to you. It says the the righteous, that's talking about you and me. The righteous are going to flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Man, those cedars in Lebanon are stately and they're tall and they're durable. And they're not easily moved. Read verse 13 and 14 with me. Come on, guys. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord... They're going to flourish in the... Now stop right there. Does that word flourish seem like there's limits on our lives? No. Flourish to me means increase. Flourish to me means going beyond the boundaries of this life and beyond the boundaries that the enemy would put in our way. Read verse 14 with me. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. Pastor, I don't want to be fat. It's not talking about that kind of fat. It's talking about being fat and flourishing. It's talking about bringing forth fruit to the glory of God. I mean, your tree is just weighed down with so much fruit that people can come by and pick it up. Glory to God. And pick it out. 
Woo, glory. I'm preaching myself happy. I hope you're doing all right with it. So we are talking this month about how to live an unlimited life. I want to share with you some important principles for no more limits. We take the limits of God, off of God by simply doing what he says. By simply yielding to him and by simply obeying him. Obedience. Here's the principle that I want to work with for just a little while this morning. And that is this. That obedience equals humility. And humility brings or equals exaltation. Let's get this principle down. Say it with me. Obedience Obedience. equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. Now, we can't just make statements like that without backing it up in the Word. So I want you to look over at 1 Peter chapter 5, and notice with me in verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. It's very interesting to me that this is right before verse 7, which says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You know it takes a humble person and a humble man or woman to realize that they can't do life on their own. That they're not called to carry the burdens and the cares of this life. So here's what he said in verse 6. Let's read it together. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Let's stop right there. Whose responsibility is it to make sure that we are humble? It's our responsibility. Therefore, don't be surprised if God points out to you in your life points of pride. He's pointed out to your pastor points of pride. He's pointed out to you points of pride in your life. Has he not? One thing we know for sure, that we do not want God resisting us, do we? See, God resists the proud. James 4, 6. But he gives grace to who? Oh, we want his grace in this day and this hour. So when, when the Lord points out points of pride in your life, it's never to sever you from fellowship from him, but it's initiated for you to draw near to him. And this correction that comes from him is for your benefit. It's never to put you down. But it's always for us to make then the adjustment so that we can be in in, uh, 1 Peter 5, 6. Let's look back at there. So that we can be exalted in due time. Humble yourself, therefore, under the what? Say with me, the hand of God God. is upon the humble. Therefore, I humble myself under your mighty hand. Now pray this. Just go like this. Lord Jesus. Show me areas of pride in my life that you want me to make the adjustments in. And I will do it in Jesus' name. Now expect to be shown. And don't be surprised when you're shown. So humble yourself, therefore, under the, I love that, mighty hand of God. So that what? So, read it with me. So that he may exalt you in due time. Hallelujah. 
Friend, you humble yourself in your marriage, God will lift your marriage up. You humble yourself in your finances, God will lift your finances up. You humble yourself in your relationships, your relationships will be lifted up. You know, in Proverbs 22 and verse 4, this is an excellent verse of Scripture. Proverbs 22 and verse 4 says that by humility and the fear of the Lord are what? Riches, honor, and life. Let me read that to you again. Proverbs 22, 4 says by humility and the fear of the Lord are, everyone say riches, riches. Honor, honor, and life. And life. Ooh, glory to God. You see, we want the riches, don't we? I, I don't mind having money, do you? Amen. I don't mind having honor, do you? I don't mind having life, abundant life. But what about the prerequisites for those things? Humility and the fear of the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. So... Here we are, kicking off this brand new series. In life, there will be the presentations of limits. But we serve an unlimited God. And so there are keys of obedience. And there are keys of yielding to the mercy and grace. Oh, friends, it will take you into the rooms of the rich treasury of God's presence, of God's power, and of God's grace. God's got some rooms He wants to open up to us. God's got some rooms He wants to bring you into. God's got some rooms of increase He wants to bring to all of our lives. God's got some rooms. And one of the major keys is obedience and humility and submitting to the will and to the plan of God. Raise your hands and say, I'm yielding to the will to the plan and the purposes of God. Now what I'm talking about today, these things are beyond finances, but they include finances. There's nothing like having peace that passeth understanding when you put your head down on the pillow at night. Oh, glory to God. There's nothing like the peace of God that passeth understanding. I don't know about you, but I'm not worried about Social Security. Because I've been exempt for it for the last 33 years. So I better not worry about it. Praise the Lord. I'm not worried about the Democrats or the Republicans. I'm not worried about the Supreme Court. Because I know this. That there is a supreme being higher than the Supreme Court. Hallelujah. I'm not worried about the government. Because I know that the government is upon his shoulder. Hallelujah. I'm not worried about how I'm going to do this and how I'm going to do that. It's not so much how, but who. Who do we trust? We trust Him. And He shall bring the things to pass that He has spoken into your heart. You know what? You and I are called to live that way. We're called to live with the spirit of trust. We're called to live with the spirit of peace on us. We're called to live with the spirit of love in us. You know, you walk in love. The scripture says you'll never fail. If you will practice this love walk, this love walk 
will make you irresistible. People will be drawn to your life because the love of God just oozes from your heart to people. Amen. We're called to live a life of compassion. We're called to this community. We're called to clothe the naked. We're called to feed the hungry. We're called to be restorers and repairs of paths and of streets where people can dwell in. You and I are called of God as ambassadors of the Most High God to live this way for Him. Hallelujah. Will you answer that call? Will you be about your Father's business? Now one thing for sure... We cannot allow pride to limit us and to stop us and to get in our way. I want to look at a story in the Old Testament from 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're just introducing this series to you this morning. And there is so many things that could be said concerning this. But notice with me in 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, we'll just wait until um, they can get that. Second Kings chapter 5, and actually it is verse 9, I'm sorry. Or verse uh, 1 we'll start with. He says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria... He was also a mighty man of valor, but what was he? But he was a leper. How many of you know that being a leper trumps everything? He had experienced all this success. He had had experienced being called a mighty man of valor, but being a leper trumps it all. You know, all of us, (laughs) have difficult situations. I would not say that all of us are lepers because that's not true. But some of us face some pretty leprous situations. Some of us face some situations that, man, I don't know that there's a way out. You ever felt like an outcast? Well, this leper was outcast. He literally could not go into the public arena because this leper was so sick and so filled with that disease, having leprosy would literally cause a person's skin to fall off the bone. It was a terrible, devastating disease. Now, if I was a leper in that day, I would have made sure that I did everything I possibly could to get rid of my leprosy. Amen. Now, notice with me, he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a He was a leper. Now notice with me in verse uh, 9 through 14. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Now Elisha was a prophet used of God. And Elisha had a double portion on him that Elijah had. Elijah was the first prophet in that situation. And Elisha said, Lord, I pray a double portion of the Spirit upon Elijah come upon me. Say with me, Elisha had double. double. 
And so Elisha was a man, a man of God that, that people would go to because they knew that when Elisha prayed, things happened. They knew that when Elisha drew near to, near to God and Elisha called upon the name of the Lord, they knew things were going to happen. So they stopped at his house. Notice with me in verse 10. So Elisha sent a messenger, say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Now the Jordan is not specifically a very clean place. Brenda and I were in the Jordan. It wasn't very clean. It was actually kind of dirty. But the instruction was this. That I want you to go to the Jordan and wash yourself seven times. And here's what will happen. And your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. You will be clean. So there was obedience that was required of Naaman. There was humility that was required of Naaman. We see this in the scripture. Now verse 11. But Naaman went away angry. You know, when you get angry, you've got to find out what's going on in your life. When you get angry, you've got to find out what's underneath that anger. You'll discover oftentimes beneath that anger is pride. And that's exactly what Naaman's difficulty was. He was filled with pride. He was a leper, but he was also filled with pride. Leprosy wasn't the only thing that was hindering him. His pride was hindering him. Okay? So the removal of pride then is a prerequisite for being cleansed. The removal of pride from our lives and obeying the Lord is a prerequisite for exaltation. Because what is our principle? Obedience equals humility. And humility equals exaltation. This is a great way to take the limits off of God. It says, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan. Your flesh will be restored. You'll be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought. <laughs> How many of you know that you're thinking, if it's not in line with the word of God, it'll get you in trouble? You know, back in AA and back in NA, and I see a friend back there that, that works in that area, but back in AA and NA, they would say things like this. You need to get rid of stinking thinking. You know what stinking thinking is? Stinking thinking means this. You can be sober. You can be free from heroin. You can be free from cocaine. You can put the bottle away forever. But if you're still thinking wrong, and you're still speaking wrong, and you're still acting wrong, you're still acting like an addict, or you're still acting like a drunk. And so that's why that statement is so important in the world of AA and NA. Get rid of stinking thinking. In the kingdom of God, get rid of stinking thinking is basically Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Where it says, be not conformed to what? This world. The world has limitations. The world will limit you, but we serve an unlimited God. Be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. Get rid of your low life thinking and come on, let's have a change take place. You need a checkup from the neck up. You need to start thinking the thoughts of God, speaking the word of God, acting on the word of God. And stinking thinking will be a thing of the past. Woo, glory. 
Be not conformed. Be not conformed. That's a command to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What will happen, Pastor? You'll be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, stinking thinking for a Christian translates into things like, well, I'm just this and I'm just that. No, you are not just this or just that. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Well, I was raised in a bad home. Yeah, but you've been raised up now together into the family of God. And you've been made to sit together in heavenly places. Come on, somebody. Stinking thinking would say, well, you know what? I'm not sure that I deserve this. Hey, guys, none of us deserve any of this. But Jesus became what we were. Oh, glory. So that we could become what he is. Jesus became sin with your sinfulness. That you might put away your robes of sin and put on the robes of righteousness. That's awesome. That's called the great exchange. And I discovered that the more I think this way and the more I believe this way, even though I don't necessarily feel this way. You ever been there? You know, the Bible says we're kings and reigning as kings in life. There's days you don't feel like a king. There's days you feel like a pauper. There's days you feel like just staying in bed, if we're to be honest about it. But the more I renew my mind and think the thoughts of God and speak the word of God and just simply act as if it were true, what happens is my spirit and my soul and my body come into alignment with the perfect will of God. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I'll not be conformed to this world. But I'll be transformed. In the name of Jesus, be changed, friends. Be changed in your thinking. Oh, be changed. Be changed, be changed, be changed. Sometimes we think we need a a geographic change. No, we don't need a geographic change. We need a heart change. We need a thinking change. We need a voice change. We need to begin to conform ourselves to my Father and His will. Hallelujah. And so let's not leave Naaman out there. But Naaman went away angry. And he said, well, I thought that this great prophet Elisha, I thought he would surely come out to me. And I thought he would stand and call on the name of the Lord. He wanted pomp and circumstance. If we're honest about it, we're like that as human beings. I thought he would just wave his hand to his God over the spot and he would just cure me of my leprosy. And then I could put in the Syrian newspaper, I've been healed by the great prophet Elisha. He said in verse 9, he said, Are not Abana and Parpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? And they were. They were better shaped. They were cleaner. But that was not the will or the plan of God. The plan of God was go down to Jordan and wash seven times. Sometimes there are things that God will ask you to do that you would rather not do. But if you will do it His way and in His timing, you will find that there is a blessing of obedience. He said, couldn't I wash them them and be cleansed? So we went off. In a rage, full of pride, still leprous. You see, you and I can go our own way 
and still be addicted and still be found wanting. But verse 13, thank God for people around you that have got some brains. I encourage you to get some, amen, get the right associates. You know, if it was some people that say, yeah, well, who does that Elisha think he is? He think he ain't all that. No, let's go to Syria. Let's go see if, you know, somebody else can do something for us. No, if you will associate with the right people in your difficult situations, they will say the right thing to you. But you've got to make yourself available to be a friend to the right people. So Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet... This is common sense. My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? He says, How much more than when he tells you, Wash and be cleansed. So you know what? Naaman came to his senses. And it's a great day when we come to our senses. It's a great day when we see the hand of God upon our lives and we say, Lord, we don't understand it, but we're going to go for it anyway. And this is what Naaman did. Verse 14, he went down. See, you have to humble yourself. Sometimes you've got to go down. <laughs> and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. Amen? And as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored... And became clean like that of a young boy. Woo! Glory to God. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. God will renew your youth just like the eagles. But he had to make the decision to go God's way. See, one act of humility. One turn toward God. Yielding, submitting, and obeying puts you in a position to be lifted up. So I'm going to ask you this morning, not out of condemnation and not out of pressure, what is it that God has spoken to you that you've had difficulty with? What is your next step? What's God asking you to do? Is he asking you to roll up your sleeves and start serving him? in some volunteer capacity in the body of Christ, whether here or elsewhere? See, the truth of the matter is, you and I have been saved to serve. What's God asking you to do? What's your, has He asked you to sow something? To give something? Either to the church or some other worthy ministry in the body of Christ? Has God blessed you significantly? And is He asking you to sow? How about this one? Is he asking you to go get some counseling? Is he asking you to go get the help that you need? See, guys are really filled with pride. Me? Need help? Me? Need counseling? Yes, you. See, God will never lead you to do something like that if he didn't have some answers for you and didn't have some blessing for you. What areas of your life do you need to humble yourself in so that he, he may lift you and exalt you? Amen? That okay for you today?